0: Welcome to episode 3 of SaaS Backstage. I am your host Nishant Goyal and with co-host Vishal Rivari, we go behind the curtains talking to people who built SaaS products from ground up. Today, our guest is Tony Tome, Senior Product Manager at ZoomInfo with over 6 years of experience in product management. In this conversation, we will cover Tony's experience around his product management journey, starting with his own startups as a first product hire and later with a large-cap company, and some other topics you'd enjoy. Being in a SaaS company, you should always expect the unexpected and look for ways to get even more value out of the existing setup. And good product management practices are the foundation to it. So, let's get started with today's episode. Hey Tony, welcome to the SaaS Backstage Podcast. It's really great having you here. Thanks a
1: lot, Nishan. I'm pretty excited to be here.
0: Great. So, Tony, we have a very interesting question that you know Vishal loves asking. So, Vishal, please take the stage. All
2: right. So, tell me, like, how would you explain product adoption to a
1: five-year-old kid? Ah, uh, it's a, it's a very interesting question. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, um. You see it's if it's a five-year-old kid and you specifically use samples that they'd also understand. Let's say you get hundred toys and a lot of your uncles, aunts, like they all give you toys, right? But you always have that one favorite toy that you want to play with on day in, day out. You sleep with okay. that toy, you go ahead and like keep that toy on your bed. Wherever you go, you have that in your hand. That is what product adoption is. What product adoption is for anyone who's looking to, let's say, make people use it. Got it. Makes sense.
2: Makes sense. So who is responsible for product adoption in a
1: SaaS company? Um, it is not one person. It's the product team that is responsible for product adoption that I'd say. It starts from the basics, right? It starts from wherever you are thinking in terms of what is it that you are building? Why are you building it? And it, it goes all the way to uh, marketing it, positioning it right for the customer and making it visible for the customer, getting, the, getting them enough help to adopt and then following through on how they can utilize all of these uh, features that we are launch, launching. So pretty much it goes all the way from the basics to the GTM team and the marketing team, product marketing, et cetera. So it's like the entire product team is responsible. So you cannot put one person or one role. All right. right.
0: Well, that brings me to a question. Why is product adoption hard? Is it because it's job of entire team? And sometimes, you know, they might not be on same page with everything. So that brings in difficulties with product adoption or are there other factors to it as well? That is one
1: of the factors, I'd say, because everyone doesn't think about the end user, right? As a product marketer, maybe you might not be thinking how the end user is benefiting of this. An answer to why this is important or what is the depth of something that you're building, that will not help you get adoption. And this has to travel, especially in smaller companies, this is much easier because you are a close group, you know why you're building something or pretty much everyone in a product group knows you're building something. But as you grow big, the team grows big and there are silos being made, there will be product managers, there will be product marketing managers, there will be the marketing team and somebody else would be managing your distribution systems or release systems. So all of these teams might not be aware why this is important or what is the exact importance of something that you're launching on a day. So getting this messaging across is very critical in this aspect. So... Uh, The product manager could be the starting point of this decision, right? they would get feedback from customers or they get some signals from the market. Hey, this is why you have to move in this direction. But that getting translated to the other teams, including engineering, including the design teams, including the user experience people, all of that is very critical in this aspect. That is one of it. The second one would be how the product manager plays a peculiar role. Because pretty much this is how I see it in product teams. Product manager becoming very tactical is most often something that happens in companies. They just see uh, their job as once I execute whatever that I am trying to execute, my job is pretty much done. But at the end of the day, I believe that product manager has a role to play as an evangelist of whatever that they are building. So they have to go out and like, communicate to the stakeholders, communicate to whoever who is trying to get it across to customers or even themselves, they have to go and speak to the customers and like, see how they are adopting. That being played very well actually adds on to that option as well because you evangelizing whatever that you're building makes a huge difference. And the way that you understand it, nobody else understands it. All right.
2: So when we just started talking about, Tony, we talked about how you went from startup mid-enterprise segment and then now serving an enterprise uh, product. Uh, What I would like to understand is how product adoption in enterprise segment is different Mm -hmm. from what we see in the PLG approach. So there's a lot of product-led growth that SaaS industry talks about, but then there's product adoption in enterprise how both these things are different? What have you seen? What have been your observations?
1: So th- there is two angles to it, right? One from a company angle where company is serving the customers. So a lot of enterprises are trying to get to a point where they are starting to adopt PLG, et cetera, but still it has a long way to go. So looking from a company aspect, the smaller companies does not have enough bandwidth or enough money to put people on, Every customer. So the customer success who is driving adoption or the people who are actually driving adoption or there might not be enough PMMs as well. So there is no enough resources to hire a product marketer for your product. So in startups, it's mostly scrappy and usually the product manager goes and talk to customers or even the founders are involved in those conversations, right? Smaller companies. So they have a lot of visibility into how customers are adopting, how people are using it or what are their actual uh, hands on problems but when it comes to enterprises they have enough money enough resources to put on top of this so it becomes more of like a siloed thing as i said earlier so it becomes more of a or perceived as more of a customer success involvement job or a product marketers job rather than actual product team as a whole involving in this so that is a difference that i have seen as well because once you launch a particular feature the documentation of that feature is not really in a product manager's control. It it goes to learning and development team, which is like an entirely different team by itself. And they have a pipeline that is going on. So until you get that documentation out to the customer, there's not enough actually value being delivered to the customer because they don't know how to use this. Or if you don't have enough talking points for the customer success to say, hey, this is something that new we've launched, why don't you try and use this? These are the use cases. So if you are not giving that talking points to the customer success, then there's no point in adopting. So that is a difference. So enterprises mostly do this high touch motion of adoption, where they go in and like try to push everything very personally to customers, because like there are more high paying customers as well from the enterprise side. But smaller companies doesn't have that leverage. So you actually tend to strictly follow upon things that matter a lot. That is a difference that I've seen. Eventually, after PLG is coming up, enterprises have to adopt these strategies because if they don't, then they are going like to be lost in the game overall because PLG demands this. right? The customer wants everything in their hands, everything in their control. So the users are also looking for the same.
0: All right. Yeah, that's interesting. So, over the past two decades, now you have worked in product for a decade. So, how has product adoption changed over the past two decades? And how have the practices to implement have changed and evolved?
1: This is an interesting question because PLG also is happening. like right As we are speaking, PLG is becoming the most common thing, right? So, the, the way that PLG evolved is very similar to how I answered this question. So. You look at five or six years back, SaaS or B2B SaaS specifically was uh, the decision to purchase something was taken by a person or maybe a few people in a company, which probably might not even use the product at the end of the day. The users were not even in the equation. So the product adoption was not really there. It was not something that people cared about back then. It was just, hey, how do I sell this thing and how do I keep it or how do I make enough leverage to keep it in the company after selling was something that was thought. So the customer success or, or the communicating people or the customer touch points were mostly around how do I keep giving them enough discounts or enough incentives to keep the software in that company. That was the way that back then, seven, eight years back, it was the way that people would think about how product adoption works. Then eventually we started seeing changes because the users were not happy. The end user who is actually using the product, they're not happy about how things were going ahead. And then they started not using the product, which eventually made, hey, there's no use for us in this product. That's what customer would think. Then the narrative actually shifted. Now, everybody in the product team, everybody in the R&D team started thinking about how an end user would think about it. So if you look at user experience for enterprise product, also the change you can observe, right? A few years back, five years back, if you go to an enterprise website, then you would not understand what an enterprise company was doing. Like there's no idea for anyone to like read a website of an enterprise company and understand what they were doing. It was like some random (laughs) alien language that was happening. Now, if you go to an enterprise (laughs) company, if that is happening, that company is dead in the next two years, right? So that shift is happening and the users started understanding. So that also improved in terms of how product adoption is evolving, right? The users have to understand the product. If you think about user experience also, you would see the same thing. Enterprise products, 80 years back, had, I would say, no user experience at all. You have to figure out things. You have to find out yourself how to use it. Yeah. Now the user experience also is changing in the direction where, hey, you have to make the end user adopt it. So that shift is, is happening so overall shift in terms of PLG is PLG can, as, can also be associated with this. If right? the consumer is getting the control, then the companies are uh, compelled to like change in this direction. If not, they're gonna die.
0: Quite interesting how it has come from a place where product adoption didn't even exist to a place where if a company does not implement adequate product adoption techniques they will vanish in no time yeah there's no question about that so as you mentioned there's one lag indicator that you did not implement a good product adoption technology or strategy is that customers will not like it and they will not understand it and as a result they will not use it for long what are the other indicators Possibly some lead indicators that can allow us to understand that product adoption problem is there and that we should address it. So, uh, leading
1: indicators is basically more about when you are selling, right? The PLG game again comes into play there, basically. When you are selling, you have to make sure that you are not selling it to just the stakeholders, because in, even now, in a B2B standpoint, The purchase decision happens through a buying committee, which is like maybe top three or four stakeholders. But you also have the opportunity to understand the user at some level if you have a free motion or if you have some free trial motion or PLG trial motions there. So the PLG companies have a good shot at figuring out these leading indicators early in the game because if your users are already adopting even before you take the purchase decision as a customer, Then you have a fair chance at saying, hey, five or six of our people are actually power users of my product. Now that I know that this company is going to actually leverage the value that I'm delivering, I have a fair chance of selling it an enterprise deal for the customer, which is something that PLG, GTM Motion can facilitate very much. Those kind of leading indicators has to be created and companies are starting to adopt those as well. And even when you're talking to the stakeholders, when you're doing the sales motion as well, you tend to do this on leverage by giving discounts because salespeople think that way that their job is to sell quota, 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 and like hit the quarterly goals. But at the end of the day, as a product manager or as a product team, you have to go back and analyze how the sales motions are happening. And when it comes to implementation as well, you see evolving patterns happening because you see customers coming back and complaining, hey, this is not what we've been sold or this is not something that we've been told during the sales calls, et cetera. So those are indicators that you can like figure out from all of these motions or patterns that you can figure out to understand is adoption actually happening and where do you have to solve for this? Maybe it is in the process of selling or maybe it is in the process of positioning or maybe it is in the product itself where your users are not understanding whatever that is happening in the product. So, we touched so many topics. Like you shared your entire
2: journey, like how you started, even in college, over the last ten years, the amount of hard work that you have done over the years. Like you have solved so many problems. You have like headed product. You have been at co-founder level. So while you were working so hard and everything, like we're figuring out, did you ever thought like you would get a chance to come on our podcast? Ah, uh, never. never <laughs> <understood>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that was that was just, just to put a yeah. put a smile on
1: your face. <laughs> but, yeah,
0: the answer is always interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, even after getting on a call with Vishal, I would never thought this was a podcast <laughs> or whatever. All right.
2: Okay, so if you had a choice between two superpowers, like
1: being invisible or flying, uh, which would you choose? I'd say flying because I love traveling a lot. So, okay, <laughs> <So.
0: laughs>
2: alright,
1: alright. Okay, now, now this this one is like a
2: pure product question, but but how would you design a spice rack
1: for the blind? Um. Uh... Interesting question. <laughs> so I wouldn't make it a rack at all. I would make it just a flat uh, section uh, because racks would need you to traverse more than what you have to. So uh, if it has to be a rack in the specification, then maybe, but otherwise, it, it should be a flat surface where you can like go and find out what are that you need. Cool. All right. I,
2: and who are the three people who has been the most influential to you? Uh,
1: I have to say my mom, because the hardworking aspect of who I am today came mostly from her. She has hustled her whole life. So um, second would be one of my mentors, Arjun. He's, he was the CEO of Instant Now. Uh, he is the VP of... Uh, we have productive zoom info. Oh, uh, yeah. and, uh, third would be uh I haven't actually thought about a third person at all. <laughs> In fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. All okay. right. That's
2: that's so That's nice. So we're going out to the next section, we call it fast five. So you will have five Fast questions. We just answer each
0: in five seconds
2: without like thinking, sir. Like okay, uh, you can't drink water or anything (laughs) like that. But but, all right, over to you, Nishant.
0: So the fast questions, the fast five. So, what's your favorite food? Biryani. What's your favorite memory?
1: Um, Childhood memory of me smiling a lot.
0: Okay. What are you grateful for? Family. Who is the one person you cannot live without? My wife. Okay. If you're not working, what are you doing?
1: Traveling. All right.
2: That was nice. Thank you. All right, Tony. Thank you so much for taking out time. We're almost like on the wraps of mm-hmm. this thing. One final question. Like,
1: If people have to find you online or they can find you, if listeners have to find you, I'm pretty easy to reach out. I am very active on LinkedIn. So a random request or message would actually, I'd just accept it and like talk to people randomly on LinkedIn. Um, My email is also there, like in my descriptions on LinkedIn. It's very easy to reach out. So anything on it.
2: Okay.